0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and news from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey Jonathan, it is nice to be in Nashville.
0: Yes, we are recording in person this week, not virtually over the computer.
1: Yeah, it's um, a lot easier this way, I wish you yeah. <laughs> I wish we could do the, do it more like this, but these meetings let us do that some.
0: Yes, and uh, these meetings that you're talking about would be the SEND Conference, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, and the ERLC National Conference, uh, which is going on today that we're recording it. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um am having to miss part of a session for this, but uh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you and Keith. Uh, y'all were able to come in over the weekend and yep. and join 13,000 Southern Baptists Man, for Send Conference.
1: That was crazy. Uh, just being in the Bridgestone Arena and, uh, you know, going into a place where you've been to uh, concerts or hockey games, things like that, uh, and to see. A crowd like this, exactly yeah. like that, gathered for this purpose, mm-hmm. to be on mission. Um, it was a really neat experience.
0: We're going to get to that in just a minute and cover everything that went on at SIND and the RLC National Conference. But first of all, I want to talk about an issue in Michigan that's going on, in Michigan Baptist, where the Satanic Temple has unveiled a bronze nine-foot tall statue uh, dedicated to Satan.
1: The crazy things happening in Detroit. It was unveiled just I guess a week ago uh, in, in a warehouse around midnight. it's I don't even know how to, how to say the name, but it was a monument uh, to contemporary Satanism. Baphomet. Baphomet. That's what it looks like to me. So here you have this thing that's going on in the community, and, and we have seen really rough things in our society. We have seen, obviously, we understand idolatry, uh, but this is not anything I've seen in my lifetime. No. Uh, of statues actually going Mm -hmm. up to this extent. And the amount of people that were there for the unveiling, I mean, 700 people surrounding that uh, unveiling. So this is something that the Michigan Baptists have been public about. Yeah. Um, this is probably something they never anticipated having to speak out on, but they are doing that. And so these are things that that the churches are dealing with, are processing, and trying to speak to their communities about even now.
0: Yeah, I'm sure when Tim Patterson took this job recently, that he did not see this coming.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he. I don't think he expected it. Um, he did say, "I'm not worried about Michigan Baptists. Uh, we're here to." speak into the darkness. We're here to proclaim the gospel. And they're doing just that. Um, but it does give a picture of really what we're facing yeah. in society now. Well, it's that kind of
0: a tangible reminder, too, to Michigan Baptists. Not just Michigan Baptists, but the SBC right. as a whole, and evangelicals yeah. as well. Right. So. All right. Um, some big news. Uh, we talk about this. seems like we have talked about it every month. The cooperative program is 1.4% ahead of the year-to-date budget, just uh, two months left in that, uh, August and September reporting still to come, uh, July receipts totaled to $158 million, $859,518.38, uh, so 1.4% uh, above uh, what was budgeted, which is around $156 million. So they're about $2 million o- over budget.
1: Over what they were projecting. Yeah, over projections yeah.
0: uh, right now for uh, the cooperative program, which is great news, uh, and a related note on that: uh, Cross Church uh, Pastor Ronnie Floyd, who is the uh, president of Southern Baptist Convention, announced this week that they are committing one million dollars to the cooperative program in twenty fifteen, and plans to do uh, the same in twenty sixteen. So the, the pre- pledge originally was nine hundred thousand, but they're even bumping that up it. even more. So
1: that's that's a really big deal. I mean, even. Just in the sense that one million dollars—that's a huge number—that speaks something yeah. to us, and they are—they're. Uh, I'm le- guessing
0: you know that's more than the budget for probably ninety percent of the churches in the SPC.
1: Oh sure, sure. Um, but it speaks very uh, loudly, I think, yeah. in a lot of the discussions that we've really had for the past ten years when uh, when we started talking about this more, uh, and it's a good thing to see where we've come. Yeah. On church's commitment to the cooperative program. It will be interesting knowing that they've pledged a million dollars, seeing if other churches, maybe not to that number, but they follow suit with some pledges much bigger than than it used to be. It'll be interesting to see what we're looking at a year from now. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be 1.4% yeah, above projection? That's a good question. Are we going to be even more?
0: You know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think one of the the big knocks that a lot of people make against mega churches like Cross Church is their lack of giving to the corporate program. And, and Dr. Floyd has has stepped up right there. And, you know, he's, I guess his posture obviously is, if I'm going to call people to support the corporate program, we're going to do the same. Right. And we applaud him for that. So, um, thank you, Dr. Floyd, for your leadership and your, um, your dedication and your example. Now, one of the topics that we've talked about recently a few weeks on the, the pod has been uh, the Planned Parenthood videos. There was a story that came out this past week. There was a vote, uh, 53 to 46, that failed on the Senate floor uh, to eliminate federal funding for Planned Parenthood this week. And, you know, there's a link on Baptist Press that we have on the website that's talking about how the, the fight is far from over. And we, we've heard that from everybody, even, the, you know, everyone in the Senate. Um, they're still planning to move this forward. And, and we're hearing even, you know, off-the-record type statements from Democrats in the Senate, from Democrats in Washington, D.C., uh, that they are really behind this, actually. And expect, probably not any day now, but maybe in the future, uh, in the next few months, maybe even longer than that, that that funding will be cut and that that this will will go through.
1: It was interesting. I mean, we're seeing horrible things in these videos. I don't know if you've seen the one. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the one this week yet, but
0: I I have not been too busy, but I've heard what's coming in the next one. And it's even more horrific in my opinion. Uh,
1: It's really tough. I can't keep from crying every with every new one, but um, I, I was actually surprised at how quickly this vote was coming up. I think the interesting, uh, Strategic thing because this is a big fight. This is an yeah. ugly one, um, very polarizing. A lot, um, a lot of money has gone into uh, politicians over the years from the Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. side of this, so it's a very big deal. But what's interesting about the vote this week is that they got it on record. Mm-hmm. Now people may change, yeah, um, and that's no, what we're hoping. Politicians
0: never flip flop on their votes, Amy. <laughs> now come on but Talking it, crazy talk
1: that's i mean that's part of the process you're right you're they're right. getting on record as voting no to defund and then these videos are going to continue to come out and constituents in these districts in these uh, states can say hang on yeah i don't want up. you to vote no yeah i saw you voted no i don't want that have mm-hmm. you seen this um so i I'm interested in how and I get I get why they have to do this but yeah. hearing some of the the senators who, who are saying no I haven't seen the videos yet which I'm sure that their staffs yeah. are keeping them from that so that they can say to the media I haven't seen them um but at some point I think everybody has to be aware of this
0: mm-hmm. and and while I would wholeheartedly agree that it needs to be defunded I think it 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 would be somewhat naive of us to think that after 40 years of society saying abortions okay that in four weeks, with you know the release of five videos, that we would radically flip flop on that and, and go the other way. And now I wish that would happen, but Me I just too. don't think that's realistic. Uh, to, and and I think uh, Aaron Earls, friend of ours, made that point earlier. He had written written some stuff this week, and he's done a great job. You need to check out his blog if you haven't. Uh, he's done a great job covering. A yeah, that lot was of these. my resource not long ago. Um, it was. Here it was. And um, he's done a great job covering this. And he made that point the other day. So credit to Aaron. But he's right, you know, we've had forty years of this, that everybody's been okay. four weeks of videos while shocking and awful. right I don't think it's enough yet to turn public opinion in enough to be able to defund it right away. so right. um do not be discouraged by this, and they are, that's what this article at b p is talking about is that the fight is far from over and
1: yeah. Yeah, I think we have to deal with as well lobbyists for Planned Parenthood have worked hard for a long time with several of these members of Congress. And so that's a lot. It's it's a big uphill battle. I, I think, though, as you said, it's far from over. There's much ground left to
0: cover. I, I don't really want to liken this to any other type of scandal that's going on out there. But if you look at what happened with FIFA recently, the way things got changed and change started happening at FIFA was that the sponsor companies started getting harassed by lawmakers, by constituents, by fans. And when they started putting the heat on, things started changing. And I think just going to our senators, while it is great and we need to do that, we also need to look at these companies that are funding Planned Parenthood because not all their money comes from the government. Right. There are companies out there that we use every day that are supplying Planned Parenthood with, with millions and millions of dollars every year uh, that goes into their budget. So when we start looking at those companies and saying, you know, see these videos, look what you are supporting. I think that's when you'll start really seeing widespread public opinion change. Yeah. Um and and I think that's when we'll start seeing results and then I think that would be one of those dominoes that leads to the eventual defunding and and hopefully shutdown of Planned Parenthood. Uh, and to be able to provide women's health care services, not abortions, uh, to women who are in need uh, through, you know, community programs and providing health care to them. Uh, the things that Planned Parenthood says they're about but really aren't. Right. One related uh, item to this before we get into the SIN Conference uh, recap is that LifeWay is offering a free sanctity of human life study that you can download online we've got a link to that it's at lifeway.com but if your church if you want to kind of engage your church and and educate them in this uh, issue uh, that study is a great way to to start and you can uh, find that at lifeway.com you can also find that uh, the direct link at sbcthisweek.com on the show notes for today Uh, but we've got that uh, thanks to uh, philip nation i I know he was kind of geared that up over here at lifeway and got that out uh, this week, so people can get to that. You can educate and inform your church members on sanctity of human life.
1: So let's talk about what we've been doing in Nashville this yes, week. It's Sin been a, conference.
0: It's been a tiring week. I mean, it's been like wall to wall. I've been meeting. I've been going to the events, and it's lots, of but stuff. it's been great. It's, it's it's one of those things where it's after the SBC, we're always talking about how we're tired, but it's a good tired. That's the same thing this week.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a very different feeling than the SBC. Um, yeah, I think it's no, cause
0: we're not having like work and worry about business,
1: right? <laughs> there's no business to worry about. No, really, there's it's no just, it's just come mm-hmm. and stand together, uh, be inspired and learn personal development. Yeah. So uh, it's a, it's a very different feeling. It's it's kind of a neat experience to see a lot of the same people. Obviously, there are mm-hmm. a lot of people here that we didn't see in yeah. the SBC, but yeah, about eight thousand s- of them. Yes, yes, uh, to see a lot of the same people though, and to have done that together, to be mm-hmm. doing this together, uh, it's a good thing.
0: We're also seeing a different type of people, and I mean that in an age way. the The crowd for SIND was dramatically younger, much younger than the crowd that we see at the SBC annual meeting.
1: Yeah, and also a difference too is uh, I know a lot of pastors brought groups from their congregations. uh, And so one thing you don't see a ton of at the SBC annual meeting is lay leaders in churches, lay people. You mainly see... You see messengers. Right. And and those messengers are mainly pastors, Pastors, church staff, staff. denominational employees. Mm -hmm. Um, Occasionally you'll encounter someone who's a, a deacon in their church and they just come every year. But for the most part, you're dealing with church leadership mm-hmm. and here you have a lot of just lay people who love the lord who are involved in their church and who want to be on mission yeah and that was a really neat thing to see i, I loved how they had the floor seats were reserved for i think groups that brought more than 25 okay. or some something like that, that. I, I, yeah i had
0: a seating special seating area Sorry. right
1: so you so, so oh you. that was impressive well you did too okay moving on um <laughs> So I, I think you came in and the color of your the band yeah. was dependent on the size of your group. and so groups that were really large got to, to sit in the floor area and then uh, so it was neat to see how there were a lot of those people. Uh, so that was in a different demographic as well.
0: Yeah, and I saw, also saw a lot of youth group type uh, groups that were with us, college groups uh, from different churches. So you had this next generation coming. Uh, yes. That the next generation of Southern Baptists getting engaged through Send, and I think that that may be the biggest win that we can come away from Send with is that we are not only encouraging but mobilizing the next generation of not just Baptists but evangelicals in general uh, through conferences like this.
1: Right, and and I think you can see us becoming um Developing into a church planting denomination. Yes. Not that we didn't plant churches before, but the percentage is really growing. We are celebrating this. We are. Uh, one of our um, mutual former bosses, uh, Ed Stetzer, mm-hmm. would always say, talking about church planting, uh, "What you celebrate, you become." Mm-hmm. And uh, he would he would say that in reference to denominations yeah. celebrating church planting. Yeah.
0: And that's the same thing in a church. Whatever you celebrate in your church. Is what you're going to be known for, and right. what people are going to come to you uh, to learn how to do. And and as Southern Baptists celebrate church planning, celebrate missions uh, overseas, you know, right. with the IMB, I think that was one of the great things about this year is that the IMB came alongside with Nam uh, to to make this more about not just church planning, but just living on mission wherever that may be. And there were so many examples, and David mentioned it in his uh, in his talk on Tuesday night of. People who are just, you know, everyday people who have everyday jobs, but it's taking them around the world and and using that to connect with people around the world for God's glory and for his mission throughout the world.
1: Yeah, that's an amazing thing. Actually, we we've encountered that some with students uh, where we are one who has a, a biology degree when he felt called into ministry and missions was not even really sure why did I, you know, why did I do that? and is going to a place where he's doing business as mission. He's yeah. going to be working as a biologist in a place where he would not have mm-hmm. been able to get in. Yeah. And he's going to be yeah. um, evangelizing and planting a church. Yeah. So.
0: And, and David's David's presentation and his sermon on, on Tuesday night was littered with examples of that and, and quotes about how we may think these countries are closed or they may be labeled as closed, but in a lot of cases, they are not only... Allowing people in, they're paying people to come in, not knowing they're paying people to come in who are going to spread the gospel and and live on mission for God, and, and just kind of an amazing little twist there. And he's just, you know, David just kept going about the sovereignty of God and how God is using that, and, and it was just a a really tangible takeaway I think for a lot of people in the room, seeing that you know missions is not just moving to Africa for you know to the rest of your life or something, which I think in the previous generations and not just in our denominations, but in denominations in general, that's what we kind of characterized as as missions. But he's saying that look, you can be a like you said, a biologist or you can be uh this he, he the example that I really enjoyed was the horse bedding, B E D D I N G Okay. Be careful uh, that yeah, you are not betting. He, yeah. he said that, that was that was a big difference there. But he's talking about the guy that owned the business that that provided bedding for horses and this guy's going all over the places and he's meeting these sheiks in the Middle East where horse racing is this massive thing in in Arabia and you wouldn't be able to take the gospel in there just like that but because he's going in you know with this business he's able to have conversations with these guys and talk to them and lead them to Christ and and seeing these things overseas he's like God's given you this crazy horse betting job and company that takes you all over the world he talks about a a lumber farmer in north alabama same kind of thing just all these different things and i think whenever the light bulb starts going on for people that's when we're really going to see that that massive explosion and and that's that's probably a lot about what David was talking about when he came to IMB, saying you know we gotta we gotta mobilize these people, we gotta get them going. Multiple um, pathways. Yeah, multiple pathways, right. and those are the pathways. And, and IMB stepping up with training for them, and you know we're seeing a great result there. So.
1: All right, so we can't hit everything. No. There was so much. So some highlights. Just give me a couple of your favorites, um, and I'll give you a couple worship
0: of mine. was over the top on Tuesday. Uh, morning and Monday. I'd missed the worship before David's session, uh, the Casting Crowns. I was late coming back from dinner. Missed that, so I don't know how Casting Crowns was. I wasn't in there, but uh, Shane and Shane, well done, guys, and Passion City Band, well, wow.
1: Well, I'm going to show my age here mm-hmm. and say that it seemed like there was a real distinction between the people who thought the music was really loud and the people who didn't. That would and
0: would be you and me. And
1: Yeah, and, and loved it and I could see the effect it was having, and I even participated, um, and and was was affected by the words that we were singing, but it was a little loud. So I realize I'm tipping I over. It, I, I,
0: I told you before the show, I think it was where you're sitting.
1: It could have been. Very, so. very well could have been. Uh, but it was that moment where I thought, this seems really loud, and I have now become one of those people yeah, that says the music parents. is loud. Yes. <laughs> so...
0: But I was sitting, where I was sitting, I was, I was kind of in the wings right up next to the stage, right next to the backstage area, because of where they had us sitting, and um, so the sound was going over my head. Right. So it I wasn't loud for me, but I did, on one session, I did sit on the other end of the, the row. And you experienced and it. And it was a little loud for me then, but well, it didn't when I moved get, back down it, by the rail, it, it was fine.
1: It didn't get in the way of really oh, uh, experiencing it the power not. of the worship.
0: The worship was incredible.
1: Yep. So that was great. Uh, I loved at the beginning, in the beginning session, when they uh, came up and did the corporate scripture reading, uh, D.A. Horton, Mm -hmm. his wife, Alicia, um, who I am just getting to know, but really, uh, really, really love. That was phenomenal. He did an unbelievable job. She did an unbelievable job. I I loved that.
0: That opening session you talked about, J.D. Greer, I thought his message was fantastic. And that, and the highlight for me and and not to diminish any of the other speakers uh hear me on that but louis giglio's talk on monday night was just over the top i'm a big louis fan anyway from you know whenever passion was founded that kind of my coming of age and passion kind of coming of age and blowing up and being what it is now kind of happened simultaneously uh, you know about a decade decade and a half ago so i've been a huge passion fan for a long time big fan of louis and i thought he just absolutely crushed it on on monday night and I think having Louis there also shows a younger generation that hey, these Southern Baptists they're quote cool as well. You know, yeah. they they're familiar with Louis, not too familiar with some of these Southern Baptist guys, and they know David uh, as well. But I think that that shows that that generational Louis helps kind of bridge that generational gap in the SPC where Louis, is a Baptist guy, has been a Baptist for a long time, and he's got this great connection with the this young generation, this two sixty eight generation. And, and I think merging that and bringing that and showing that the SBC is for that generation as well through having Louis there it is great. And I love that Louis was there. And I thought he did a great job.
1: Yeah, I was talking to somebody last night who just commented that some of the other people that you and I have heard a lot and uh, know of really well um, that they were kind of new for him. hmm but that Louis Giglio had made a huge impact. This is a, a church planter, planted a church ten years ago, great friend of ours. But said that that Louis Giglio had been hugely instrumental in um, in his journey, and so I was I was intrigued by that. That I think you're right. I think it's kind of tapping into to some to something else, tapping into a different. Yeah. Generation, a different group of people.
0: Also, I really enjoyed Vance Pittman's talk. I know Vance was not scheduled to be on the main stage. Right, Eric, Eric Mason is. was not able to make it. His daughter was in the hospital, having some uh, health issues. Brand new baby there, and so Vance stepped up with like 24 hours' notice. I thought his message was really, really great. Uh, Vance did a wonderful job. Vance is a church planner out in um, Las Vegas. Las Vegas, and his church was started uh, 15, 20 years ago. I think he said about 15 years ago. I think it was, and since then, they have sent out and planted 22 new churches and have numbers 23, 24, and 25 going out this year. That's unbelievable. So, I mean, Vance, I mean, he, he embodies sin uh, more than most, what I would say. What you celebrate, say. you become. Yeah, and, and Vance, I thought Vance did a great job. Vance, uh, I know you're a big fan of the podcast, <laughs> so uh, great job, Vance. Uh, also, we get, we got to talk about it. Russ Moore interviewed uh, Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio. Uh, after his talk on Tuesday afternoon uh, there was some it was running a little bit late i know jeb had some plane problems uh, they'd said and uh so we had to push things back a little bit there but it all worked out and i i really enjoyed the format of that i thought the content was great from from rubio being on video was a little different than having somebody in person uh but but to have a politician of that stature to sit down and just have a casual conversation with 13,000 onlookers without a stump speech, without all the, the hoopla around most political rallies that you have gone to or seen on TV. It was just refreshing.
1: Yeah, I think that was different than what we have, have seen often in the past. Yeah. Um, and we're going into a very interesting time where there are a ton of candidates mm-hmm. to consider, Yeah. Uh, which makes just sort of navigating the waters a little tougher. It makes the decision a little tougher Mm -hmm. for people going into the, um, into the booth. And so we've got to have some way to learn more about these folks. And so that format is going to lend itself. It's going to lend Mm -hmm. itself a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I felt, I mean, I felt like I got to know more about what Rubio and Bush are about through this format than I would if I watched a debate or if I watched a campaign speech. I, the, the format of this, I could really, you know, I wish we could have had more you can here. See. Well, th-
1: th- that's where if you look back in recent election cycles, um, the same things that that Rick Warren has done when yeah. we get to the to the general election mm-hmm. uh, with his Saddleback forums, it does the same thing because debates are just so tough. The formats are challenging; these one minute sound yeah. bites, all all of that, but having an actual conversation. Mm-hmm one well, and, and two in difference. the debates
0: they they rarely ever answer the question they just bounce to talking points well, and there's... and i felt like i mean i'm sure there were talking points in there and there were some and you could you could pick them out but i think at the same time no debate person's going to ask marco rubio about le i mean and and have him talk about you know that he's a fan of ccm music and he he listed three or four artists and i'm going okay see that we do not get that in a debate setting you never
1: know that could show up in a debate sometime soon <laughs>
0: I'd like to ask Governor Christie what he thinks of Lecrae. <laughs> I mean, that You're not going to see that. That's so, correct. Uh, I, I thought that was that was a kind of a refreshing take for me, was that you get questions and you get actual real it answers a forum. Um, a forum. instead of the talking points. And so kudos to Dr. Moore for that format. I, I really enjoyed that format. Uh, breakout sessions, I had a chance to, uh, to go to Dr. Rainer's two breakouts with him because I worked for him and... <laughs> I, I go it to his That was the stuff. right thing to do. So, and and we got the stuff up. Uh, if also Doctor Rainer, his first one he did in the big ballroom uh, B. I mean, huge hall, and probably two thousand, three thousand people in. I was blown away that people came to to hear about millennials, uh, but they did. And you know, they, there are a they lot of millennials. Yeah, there here, were a lot of millennials so they there. So, that's, that's a good to, point. Yeah. Um, but we put the uh, the information up online uh, on his website at Rainer dot com slash send two uh, thousand fifteen. We got a link to that uh, if you want to. Check out his presentation, but we talked about millennials and we had like 1500 hits in one day. That's great. On that, I mean, people just just ate it up. So, um, that was a a great breakout. I really enjoyed our time in there. Uh, I heard that your boss, Dr. Aiken, his breakout was just overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, I I heard heard great great things about Matt Matt Carter's breakout. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I also went to a women's breakout. Uh, not for me. Why'd you do that? Yeah, because Dr. Rayner was on the panel. Uh, Nice save there. (laughs) We needed to get that in. Yeah. But uh, enjoyed that as well, even, you know, it wasn't really geared for me, but I I did have some takeaways. The big takeaway from that is that I feel like Southern Baptists and maybe evangelicals as a whole, we've got more single women in our churches, and and not just single women, single men too, uh, because people are, A, getting married later, and B, there's more divorce. It became painfully obvious that we do not have a good grasp on how to activate single women and men uh, toward mission and ministry uh, in our churches.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think that's going to be a growing question. I think that's something that we will often see with incoming students. Uh, yeah. just there trying, are some
0: churches that are doing it great. Right. I, will, I will say that. But I think on a whole, I think that's something we still are struggling with.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think that a lot of women are just asking the question, uh, what can I do? Yeah.
0: Where's my place?
1: Right, where is my place? So I think we have to start considering, as you said, single women, because it's a little easier to begin navigating that uh, with married women. I married a pastor, so it was it, it was pretty easy to start navigating how I could be in ministry. Now, maybe I look different. You play the piano. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I kidding, actually, kidding, in kidding, the kidding, end, kidding. did end up doing that. It's okay.
0: That's, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Right. But uh but I had some pathways. We'll put it yes. put it that way. I yes. mean, I was still navigating where I would fit in that. But there were clear pathways. Yeah, this is where a, we're going to go.
0: I like that analogy because I don't think a lot of churches have pathways for single women. Right. For single men, yeah. uh, but I think single men get an advantage just because of their gender. I think there is a an advantage for them in the church but at the same time i think single women they struggle to locate those pathways and i don't think churches are providing the pathways i don't think that the the women have a tough time finding them i just don't think they're there
1: um i i want to point out that one of my favorite people on the planet was also in that breakout uh, selma wilson
0: oh oh, Selma. not you selma
1: wilson was on the panel also and uh, she's one of my favorite leaders period Uh, A person that I look to a lot, not just favorite female leaders, one of my favorite leaders. And she's got an incredible podcast.
0: Also in that panel was Jenny Allen and her husband and Aaron Aaron Coe Coe and his wife, Carmen. Uh, So they did a great job. And, you know, I I really learned a lot in there. And like I said, the the big takeaway was that we don't have those pathways for single women and men, but mostly women because it was a women's panel we don't have those pathways in the churches so that's something we may you know have to look at and and you know if your church is doing it well let us know because I'd love to see some churches be able to recommend churches for others who are looking to to do that because I'm sure there are churches out there going you know we've got single women in our church and we really don't have a place for them so who's doing it well let's find out what they're doing how they're doing it and and let's see if we can take that and and mold that into something in your local context that that would work for your church so uh, if you if you know of churches hit us up on Twitter or whatever, email us, Jonathan at spcthisweek.com and, uh, let us know.
1: Yep. But overall send was a great, great couple of days. A lot of good content. Uh, we also had another event yep. leading up to, to send yep. Southeastern hosted the lunch, hosted a lunch. It was actually hosted by our local alumni chapter here in Nashville. Yep. Uh, and
0: you had Blue Coast Burrito, which was tasty.
1: We did. I was very excited that we were able to get Blue it's Coast no Burrito. It's no Baja Burrito, but it's a Well, but it's substitute. close. <laughs> it's very close, and uh, so that was, that was a nice thing. We did it at First Baptist Nashville. Um, they were great hosts for us and uh, very, very hospitable to let us do that, so close to the Bridgestone. And uh, we had a panel discussion with Micah Freeze, J.D. Greer, uh, Dehajie Lewis and Trevin Wax. Yeah. So that I'm was glad you got their names right. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Cause,
0: cause...
1: I, yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, so it they, was they were
0: mispronounced at the at the event. So it was pretty funny. Yes,
1: That's, by by yeah. one one person. We're giving um, them a
0: hard time for that. So,
1: so it was about uh, church planting, disciple making, mm-hmm. mission. Just
0: Will the audio of, of that questions. be online?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to find that out for you.
0: Okay, sounds good. So because I, I really enjoyed that one as well. I, I was at a table with a bunch of the guys from Summit Church. Uh, J.D.'s church, so got to meet them and uh, and hang out and just really enjoyed the, the the panel. I thought J.D. did a great job, and so did Trevin and Dahadi. Uh, Micah did a great job leading it, so uh, it was a really good event. So kudos to you and the uh, the local alumni chapter, Jess Rayner. Jess the Rainer head of the alumni chapter. Jo-
1: that, so. Jonathan Six in our alumni office. I was just along for the ride, helping wherever.
0: I, now that we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we're going to recap this one as well. The ERLC National Conference on Gospel yes. and Politics. We sat through a lunch today with the ADF. Eric Stanley from the Alliance Defending Freedom uh, led us uh, in just a di- discussion about where churches are and and some legal vulnerabilities. Just a fantastic discussion. It, it was
1: incredible. I was and looking, I was blown away. Yeah, I was looking forward to that lunch. I knew that it would be a good um, a good time, a good time to connect with people and uh, at at this greater event. And his presentation was fantastic. I, I learned a, just a ton, yeah. and um, he actually just clarified a lot of legal issues, sort of one piece at a time. Uh, it helped me helped me to get yeah. get my head around some of these well, things.
0: And it also just it showed how vulnerable churches can be to legal issues in today's society, not just negligence or right. you know accident insurance type things. There's a lot of that that churches are well aware of and have dealt with for years, but the the whole uh, gender identity and same-sex marriage, right. all this going on, there is potential for major problems for churches if they don't have some policies clarified.
1: Right. What was helpful to me was that he uh, really was able to shine a light, and I think their organization does this well, on here are the actual challenges we have ahead and then here are the things that a lot of people are afraid of but this is why they are not as big of a concern legally and he kind of explained some of that that was very helpful to me so i could start to understand instead of just having this blanket fear this is going to happen and this is going to happen he actually could say no conceivably this is these are the things yeah. we can project. So this is where we need to here's put your a problem lot of areas. our energy. Yeah, here's so. your your
0: biggest weaknesses. So I know we'll talk a little bit more about them here shortly. But uh, just a great time with the the ADF guys today at lunch. Also, I think the highlight so far today for me was the panel. I loved with the Roger, panel. Ross Douthit, um, Eric Erickson, Michael Gerson. and Michael Gerson. Yes. And I'm just I mean these are the premier political writing you know the uh, Christian religion writers and and we and also at the event I mean we've got Sarah Pulliam Bailey covering this for the Washington Post we got Bob Sotana from CT here I mean this is like the who's who of Christian media that are at this event
1: yeah the the great thing about this panel. So I was very excited when I saw this, I've read Michael Gerson for years. Um, Rod Dreher. I have, uh, I've read one of his books, getting ready to read his newest one. I've read a lot of his columns, Ross Douthat. Um,
0: he, he's the rock star. Oh New York yeah. Times. I mean, everything I, I try to read everything he writes.
1: I do too. And uh, we actually got to hear him in January um, at a, pretty small conference to to speak he spoke and he was in a round table discussion and he's brilliant and so to have them up there these are these are people who have watched the culture for years and so they really understand a lot of what we're dealing with and they don't see eye to eye on everything i mean it was really great hearing they had a
0: huge discussion on
1: Ro- well, Rod Dreher's sort of talking about the Benedictine option is yeah. is what it's called. He got to clarify a lot of what he said about that. Michael Gerson hey, kind of...
0: Counterpoint with yeah, the, uh, the pu- Wilberforce option.
1: Right. Pushed back on that. And then Ross Douthit sort of mic-dropped the whole thing, <laughs> I thought. Well, uh, I, I kind of
0: agreed with uh, Gerson on that one, but uh, whatever. Yeah.
1: I-, I I really liked Ross Douthit's yeah. wrap-up of that mm-hmm. of that particular question. Uh, but honestly, I could have watched them talk all day
0: ross lost me on a couple of references he made though because he kept making a he, he made a couple of catholic history references that went way over my head but but it was still good well, i was it's like hard. it's just like okay you know a lot more than i do so yeah Which i just, knew going into it
1: it's hard jonathan i yeah. mean they if he had started talking taylor swift you would have been right i've there. been right there yeah SBC
0: politics i've been right there but yeah yeah, but it's yeah me much. and catholic history i'm, I'm sorry
1: But it was a great panel. It
0: was. Fantastic.
1: Good stuff. This is a good uh, discussion. I like how it follows up SIN. It made it easy for people to stay. Mm -hmm. Had a great crowd uh, there, too. To stay in. And then even plays off of the the experience. We've spent two days really focusing on being on mission. Now we're kind of getting into some of the brass tacks, like, Let's have some serious conversations, get a bit more detailed. Uh, what does this look like? What are the questions out there? And so people are coming away uh, from a very information-rich yeah. time. It's a good room, good space. Yeah. table. People are able to sit at tables, take notes. Uh, so the ERLC has done a, a very good job yeah. of putting this and,
0: and there's live video of that as well. Uh, they were streaming that, so that will be available online. You'll be able to catch the uh, the recaps and replays of that online if you missed any of it. I highly recommend uh, the the panel and discussion that we just mentioned as well as i really enjoyed jennifer marshall's uh that started it off so
1: yeah and at the at the point we're recording this uh the panel this afternoon with james ka smith
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh karen swallow prior yeah. that hasn't taken place yet that uh stands to be another really yes. great one
0: i'm got to wrap this up so we can get back over there so yeah. wrapping it up Resources of the week. Who do you got?
1: My resource of the week is going to play on the lunch we just came from. Alliance Defending Freedom uh, has an incredible website. Lots of resources. So uh, I hate for us to sit here and talk about all that we learned and not give people a way to learn themselves. So that's a place to go.
0: All right. My resource of the week is the new book by Dr. Russ Moore, Onward uh this thing they gave away six thousand copies at send so if you weren't at send and want to get a copy lifeway.com you can get one there uh just a really good book on how to engage culture and greatest and move book cover there. ever y- your favorite book cover ever yes yeah and hat- you know the uh, inside you fold it out and it's a poster
1: yep hat show print so um i love hat show prints have some in my house in my office and so their participation in that just made it that yeah. much cooler
0: and i'm not a fan of dust jackets on books i got hardcover, yeah, but that's I mean, a cool one but you, you undo it and it's got that poster i'm like okay finally a dust jacket that's actually worth something yeah. because usually i pop them off and they go in the trash so i mean we're sitting here in my office recording this and i've got hand dozens and dozens of hardback books over there with no dust jackets on them because but that's a very useful one. That one is very useful. Yeah. So, uh, there's five different versions of that as well. So you can go to a local lifeway store, try to find five different copies. You can have all of them, just buy five books
1: and check out Hatch Show Print. They've got a lot of yeah. other great options exactly. too. I have an Elvis Presley poster. Exactly. All
0: right. Post. Next week on the show we got an interview with Juan Sanchez. I've got some uh, other interviews kind of in the can for later on this year. But uh, next week, Juan Sanchez joins us to talk about everything that's going on at his church in Austin as well as minorities in the SBC. So that'll be an interesting. You want to catch that discussion as well as all the other news that seemingly we never yeah, expect Yeah, we never expect it. it we,
1: we think nothing's going to go on this next week. What will we talk about? And then there it is. And
0: there it is. So thanks for joining us this week on SBC This Week.
1: See you later.